When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in to BetQL's Tailgate Kickoff. I am Ryan Horvath getting you set for one of the better slates all season. It's week two, college football. We're going to get you ready to go here, help you make the best bets possible. We'll take a look at line movement. That's where we're going to start here for week two. In about five minutes, we're going to talk with Bill Bender from Sporting News, national writer. We're going to talk Texas, Alabama. We got Notre Dame, North Carolina State. That's going to kick off in about three hours. And uh, we're also going to talk with Kelly in Vegas in about 20 minutes, get her best plays for the day. Let's take a look at some line movement, the biggest line movement that we've seen here this week. Utah moves from being a four-point favorite. Again, most likely going to be without their starting quarterback, Cam Rising, today against Baylor. Baylor drops a tough one last week, uh, loses its big favorite. So Baylor now seven-and-a-half-point dog. Sam Houston moves from 17-point dogs all the way down to 13-and-a-half against Air Force today. North Carolina opened up as 13-point favorites. A big week one victory over South Carolina. The defense looked really, really good. And they're now 19-point favorites against App State. They get some bad news, though. Uh, Tez Walker, their wide receiver that they pick up in the transfer portal from Kent State. 11 receiving touchdowns. Not going to be able to play this season. We'll talk about that later. Syracuse moves from being 19-point favorites all the way up to 24-and-a-half against Western Michigan. And then UCLA, even though they're still trying to figure out their quarterback situation, with Garbers and Dante Moore, the five-star freshman, finally getting some run in the second half of that game last week. They moved from being nine-point favorites all the way up to 14 against San Diego State. Uh, before we get to Bill, before we get to the noon slate, auto play of the day, auto fade of the day has to be Trent Dilfer and UAB. We're getting the worst of the number right now, from six-point favorites to seven-point favorites. I'm cool with this all the way up to seven and a half, and we're going to take Georgia Southern today. I uh, wasn't a big fan of the Trent Dilfer hire at UAB. His experience being a high school football coach, obviously, former Super Bowl winning quarterback as well. Georgia Southern has a new defensive coordinator, Brandon Bailey, only 29 years old. Watch out for his name the next couple years. He was at Buffalo last season, wreaking havoc, and uh, they shut out Citadel last week. So obviously they step up in class a little bit. UAB played North Carolina A&T last week. For the defense, totally different look than they saw last week, though. Georgia Southern, today they're going to run the air raid offense. They're going to want to put the ball in the air about 35 to 40 times. And if you're into trends, you look at Georgia Southern, a good look. Since moving up to the FBS level back in 2014, 32-20 against the spread at home. Even better is a home favorite where they're 19-11, and 11, hitting at about a 63% clip. So we are going to fade UAB once again today, and we'll take a shot uh, with uh, Georgia Southern coming up. And that's a seven-point move right there, or a one-point move, seven-point favorites. We're going to talk with Bill here coming up in a second. Uh, Some other things that I like coming up at noon. I'm going to take a shot with Baylor. Again, we talked about this. This number has just gotten out of control. Baylor opened up a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Utah beats a pretty uh, bad Florida team. Let's be honest. Florida's win total coming into the season projected five-and-a-half. They have Graham Mertz as their starting quarterback. Baylor gets upset by a pretty good Texas State team that's under the radar as 25-point favorites. And we don't expect Cam Rising to start for Utah. Baylor actually also going to be without their starting quarterback, Blake Shapin. 
But I don't think that that's going to be a huge drop-off, to be honest with you. He's a turnover machine. I don't think you downgrade Baylor much without Shapin. They bring in Mississippi State transfer Sawyer Robinson, who came in in the second half of that game last week against Texas State, was 6-12 of passing, had 113 yards, was able to push the ball down the field, but had two brutal picks in that game. So that's one thing to look out for. They're going to have to uh, limit the turnovers if Baylor is going to stay in this game. But uh, a little bit um, too much line movement for me there. I'm going to take a shot with Baylor uh, in this one. Seven and a half point dogs against Utah. Utah's run defense really good against Florida. Baylor's going to have to be able to move the ball on the ground with their stud running back, Richard Reese. As long as they average three, four yards per carry, I think they could hang within that number. Uh, We're going to preview Notre Dame, North Carolina State here in a second as well. I know that North Carolina State's probably the smart side. This is the first real road test for Notre Dame. Sam Hartman has struggled against North Carolina State when he was at Wake Forest in the ACC the past couple seasons. Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator for North Carolina State, is still there. And if you look at Hartman, the last two games against North Carolina State, again, this is a completely different offense than he was running at Wake Forest, but he threw six interceptions in those games. Now playing behind a much better offensive line at Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a much stronger run game than they had at Wake Forest. Audric Estime, a stud running back, averaging more than five yards after initial contact. He's a bowling ball. His highlights are all over social media right now, just running guys over. And then you have North Carolina State, who you have to downgrade a tick on defense this season. They only bring back five starters. And if you pop on the tape against UConn last week, UConn was able to run the ball against them. They hit him with a couple explosive plays, and I just wasn't really impressed with North Carolina State offensively, even though they bring in uh, Brennan Armstrong, From the transfer portal, former Virginia quarterback, he threw for 155 yards, added 96 on the ground, nothing too explosive, and that was against UConn's defense. Now he steps up in class, going against a Notre Dame's defense who's yet to allow a touchdown this season. So we've seen a little bit of line movement. You had uh, Notre Dame actually open up in this game as eight-point favorites, down to seven, seven and a half still in some shops. I like Notre Dame. I think they should be 10-point favorites in this game. It's hard to upgrade them a bunch, obviously. Uh, but they do upgrade with Sam Hartman taking over as quarterback. He didn't even have to play in the second half of that game. He's completing over 80% of his passes the first two weeks of the season, so looking really good. Let's get to Bill Bender right now, and then we're going to talk some Nebraska-Colorado. That's the game that everybody's going to want to talk about, obviously, today with Dion pulling off the outright upset over TCU Week 1. We welcome in now Bill Bender. Bill, uh, let's actually start with the Big Ten, though, because I know that you cover the Big Ten, and you have Ohio State. They didn't look great offensively, which... You know, it's rare that we say that. They did look really good defensively the last week. You have Penn State, a lot of hype, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You got a guy like Chop Robinson. And then you have Michigan with 16 returning starters, probably the best backfield in the Big Ten, and a uh, Heisman candidate in J.J. McCarthy. If you had to make a pick today, who do you got coming out of the Big Ten? Uh, I think Ohio State bounces back today. Uh, well, they're playing FCS team, but I think they play they well. I think Michigan covers against UNLV and then Penn State obviously playing Delaware I mean all three of these teams they're going to judge themselves off each other each week so Ohio State was probably the third best team last week but I still remind people they've got more than enough talent to beat both of those teams was really impressed with Michigan throwing the football last week but I'm wondering if they don't get back to the ground game against UNLV and like you said all those returning starters have made a difference that line has ticked up a little bit. I liked it a lot better at 35 and a half than I do now. Yeah, we're talking with Bill Bender right now. By the way, you are listening to the BetQL tailgate kickoff with myself, Ryan Horvat. So let's talk Nebraska-Colorado. A lot of people shocked with what Colorado was able to do against TCU. I think if TCU runs the ball, though, and Kendall Bryle's got a little too <laughs> cute, I think they win that game. 
What do you think ends up happening today? Because, I mean, we've seen crazy line movement now where Colorado's down to, uh, right now, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Nebraska. What do you think happens here? I mean, obviously, you know, what Dion's doing is great. He hires the right people. Sean Lewis was a really smart hire as offensive coordinator from Kent State. What do you think plays out today, though, against a Nebraska team that, to be honest, probably should have beat Minnesota if they would have, again, continued right. to run the ball and not allowed Jeff Sims to throw three picks in that game? You know, you said it. Uh, the, the narrative could very easily be the other way. I mean, Nebraska was driving for a game-winning field goal last week. And like you said, there were several points in that game where TCU absolutely could have won. Um, so, well, if it's, it's, it's not a Nebraska game if it's not a one-score game. I think we're going to have one of those. I think they, uh, it's going to be rowdy. This is an old-school rivalry for, for guys my age. We remember when this was the biggest game of the year in some cases. So, um, Colorado to win, though. I think they have the two best players on the field. I think Shadur Sanders makes as long as he protects his football. He was 21-21 on passes of 10 yards or less last week. I mean, that's hard to do if you really think about it. At least one gets knocked down. So as long as he's accurate and Travis Hunter does his thing, I think Colorado pulls out a one-score victory. I think a lot of people look at this Texas A&M-Miami game, and they don't understand the point spread where Miami was a four-point underdog, and now that's actually uh, taking some money, and they're actually down to three right now. A lot of money coming in on the over, the total now in the 50s. What are your uh, thoughts on this game today? Because Texas A&M running a new offense, Bobby Petrino now calling plays, a lot of up-tempo, uh, Connor Wegman could throw the deep ball, and then you have Miami, who this season, you know, they're pretty healthy. Tyler Van Dyke looked pretty good. Granted, it was uh, week one. Uh, now he steps up in class. What do you think happens today, Texas A&M and Miami? Yeah, I, last year this was a ugly, eyesore, horrible football game. Tonight I think it's going to be highly entertaining and something you better have your second TV on with, with Texas and Alabama on the other one. Hope, all apologies to Aggies fans. I know which one will be on the first TV. But, uh, um, yeah, I think Texas A&M wins. I'm always a little wary of road favorites, like you said, especially when the line moves. And I know Miami's improved, and they have two really good safeties back there in uh, James Williams and Cameron Kitchens. But I'm going to stick with the Aggies. And I was telling people last week, I'll tell you the same thing. If you're on your social media tonight and you don't see anything with Bobby Petrino, that means it's working. Are you buying into what Notre Dame's doing right now with Sam Hartman, especially on the offensive side of the ball? they got a strong run game. Estime looks really good. The offensive line looks really good, obviously. But defensively, you were worried about the defensive line coming into the season because they did lose all three starters. Um, and now today they go against North Carolina State, who didn't really impress me in a 24-14 win over UConn week one. What do you think about Notre Dame, though? What are your thoughts on their ceiling this season, year two for Marcus Freeman? Yeah, I heard her heard you talking about them before I came on and I'm with you. I think they win by about 10 points today. I think Sam Hartman is just an experienced, really good decision maker with the football. He gives Notre Dame what they really haven't had since Brady Quinn and that's somebody that can throw the ball down the field uh, consistently. Get outside the hashes too. I mean, they, they have the receivers. They have a big offensive line. Every time you go down to NC State, I always check the weather and you know, it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid, but Sam Hartman's played against NC State three times. It's worth noting his last two starts against NC State, he threw three interceptions, but that wasn't with Notre Dame. I think this team has been one of the most impressive teams the first couple weeks, and I think they continue to build toward what is going to be a monumental showdown against Ohio State at the end of the month. Talking with Bill Bender right now. Follow him on Twitter or X, Bill Bender 92 Sporting News National Writer. All right, you brought up Texas-Alabama. You got Jalen Milrow 
winning the job. Week one looked pretty good against MTSU. Hit the deep ball a couple times. And then you have Quinn Ewers going from Texas, who, I mean, in the first quarter against Alabama last year in this same game, looked really good. Looked really good against Oklahoma. Had four touchdowns, no picks. But then struggled for like four consecutive weeks. And we even saw it against Rice. I believe he was 0 for 6 on passes 20 or more yards down the field. What do you think happens in this game? And who do you give the edge to at quarterback, Alabama-Texas tonight? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen the the curiosity factors. You, you mentioned that 0-6 last week, but we saw him complete the downfield passes against Bama last year. And, you know, Jalen Milrow and his big start last year, not against Middle Tennessee, but A&M, they had a lot of turnovers. Um, so that adds to it for me. I think Alabama wins. I think they, they win by about 10. That's like my target score today in a couple cases. Um, last year, too, what what doesn't get brought up, Alabama had 100 yards in penalties last year in that game, including one they probably could have called on the Bryce Young run that saved the game. So if Alabama plays cleaner, I think they will, and Alabama doesn't turn the ball over more than one time, which I think they won't, I think they they go in here and they kind of remind us all, hey, we're still very much in this national championship chase. Not saying Texas isn't a good football team that isn't capable of doing it, but they need Quinn Ewers to be – absolutely special to have a chance to win at Bryant-Denny tonight. Bill, obviously a disappointing loss for Clemson week one, Um, and then I I do like what Duke's doing, though, with Mike Elko, and then you look what Florida State does, especially in the second half against LSU, where Jordan Travis looked like he could be a serious Heisman candidate. Do you think Clemson's dead, though, in the ACC? They do still get Florida State at home in Death Valley. They also get Notre Dame at home in Death Valley. But the concern for me, Garrett Riley, uh, that doesn't look like the Garrett Riley offense. That still looks like the Clemson offense from the last five years. I don't get why you paid him $2 million uh, to come in and run the same offense. Right. The one that, that had bad turnovers and couldn't push the ball down the field and missed field goals on special teams. It's, Clemson's not dead yet. Yeah, I mean, but they, they have enough talent on the defensive side. They missed some tackles, but they're really, I still think they're really good on defense. So they're, they're a team that I would say, They'll build toward that Florida State game, and we'll find out. I mean, of the teams I've watched the closest this year, and I've said this a couple times now, that the most impressive team so far to me have been Florida State and Notre Dame. Well, who plays Florida State and Notre Dame? Clemson does. So they'll get their chances against those teams, and we can judge them against them. But it was obviously a, a nightmare start for Dabo, and whenever you lose the first one, you're in a hole. Bill, thanks so much, man. Enjoy the games today. Enjoy the volleyball today as well. Hey, thanks for working around my schedule. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you. That's Bill Bender, Sporting News National Writer. Really good stuff. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, BillBender92. Before we hit the break, really quickly, we hit on some of these uh, noon games that I do like. I'm going to go with Baylor. I just think that number's gotten a little out of control. One and a half point favorites on the open line, and now we're up to seven and a half. I don't feel uh, I don't feel awful about the quarterback uh, situation with Sawyer Robertson taking over for Blake Shapin. I'm going to roll with Notre Dame, even with their first real test. I, I get it. Sam Hartman struggled against North Carolina State. This is a completely different offense, though. I am going to do it again for the second consecutive week. I took Nebraska. I took the points when it was at four. Colorado could win this game by 40. I still feel like I'm on the right side, and what I'm kind of rooting for is to lose this bet. Colorado to roll Colorado State and then get a decent number here in a couple of weeks with Oregon. Another one that I like uh, coming up here in the afternoon slate, Texas A&M Miami. I bet Miami, and I bet the over here. Now, we're down to three. Miami, three-point dogs in this game. Texas A&M, another team I was high on coming into the season, just with Jimbo Fisher handing over the play call duties 
uh, to Bobby Petrino. They hung 52 week one, ran more tempo. Connor Wegman looked pretty good. But for Miami, Tyler Van Dyke looked pretty good as well. So you got a healthy Miami team this year taking on Texas A&M. High total in the 50s. We'll talk about that and more with Kelly in Vegas next. We're back here on the BetQL Network.